Good morning. This is the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church Sunday School class. <clears throat> We're so glad you could join us both in person and virtually this morning's lesson. Uh, if you haven't already found it or saw it in your book, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, and then it skips for some unknown reason to uh, verses 38 through 44, John 11, 17 through 27, and then we will skip to verses 38 through 44, and I'll try to fill in uh, the blanks because that's somewhat an incomplete picture of this story, um, <clears throat> and you are somewhat familiar with the story, but I want to unpack it a little bit for us this morning to see if we can get a little more clarity and a little more uh, discernment about what God is trying to teach us through this passage. Amen? So John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27 will be our focus. Let's pray, get focused, and go forward. Spirit of the living God, help us as we pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. We lift you up. You are our God, and beside thee there is none other. Father, we know that in the busy bustle of life that sometimes we neglect and forget to say thank you. In the bustle of life and asking you for this thing and that thing, we forget to say thank you for life itself. Thank you for breath to breathe. Thank you for air to breathe. Thank you for sight and sound. And thank you for the activity of our limbs, God, whether it's limited or unlimited. Thank you for blessing us with a mind, God. Thank you for blessing us with shelter. Thank you for blessing us with food on demand. God, we don't have to even think about it. We've got so much that we have choices, and there are some who have no choices. We say thank you, God. We thank you, God, for being able to get from one place to another in our own mode of transportation. For most of us, without having to depend on anybody to stop by and pick us up or drop us off, we say thank you. We thank you, God, for being able to sleep under our own roof, under our own sheets, and, and, and on our own pillowcases. Thank you. Thank you, God, that we can put on our own clothes that we purchase with our own money. Thank you, God. God, don't let us forget those who aren't in this situation. Don't let us be so greedy and haughty and high-minded that we think it's because of something good we've done. It's because of your grace and because of your mercy that you've shown toward us. Thank you. Oh, my God, I just thank you for the what some people call little things. There's nothing little about it. Oh, that we can move and live and have our very being. It's all because of you. Thank you, God. I thank you, God, that we get to praise you because we want to. And then I thank you, God, for that part in the other psalm that talks about the sacrifice of praise, where we praise you even when we don't feel like it. Thank you, God. We love you today. Now, God, we ask you to bless those who are having particular physical difficulties in their body. We know you're still a healer. Thank you, God. We pray for those who have a particular issues and controversies in their minds. Settle their minds, God. Peace be still. Then, God, there's those who are dealing with spiritual issues and those who are dealing with other issues that we don't know about, but we lift them up because they are our neighbors and our friends, our family members and our compatriots, and we say thank you. We pray for every enemy we have because we know because of our enemies, you're going to prepare a table for us in their very presence. Bless them, God that we might bring them to you through us. Now, Father, we pray for Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church and for Bishop William L. Shields and for the word that will surely go forth this morning. Bless him, God. Heal him. 
Bless him in a mighty way. Consecrate him now as he offers himself for consecration. God, we pray for this Sunday school class, those who are here live and those who are joining us virtually. God, we thank you and we love you and we praise you. It is in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, we've been dealing um, all month, the month of uh, July with John. And you know, excuse me, because of of, of our overview, that John's whole purpose is presenting Jesus to you as God. So whenever you're reading John, any, any, any particular passage uh, in John, bear in mind that John is doing what? He's presenting Jesus to you as God. There's some aspect of what John focuses on that will bring you back to the fulcrum of John, which is that Jesus is God. It is without controversy in John's mind that Jesus is God. But it may be in the minds, your mind or the minds of somebody you're ministering to or evangelizing to, they may have a question with it. So John says, let me do like a lawyer, John says. I'm just going to lay out the evidence. I put the evidence out there, and then you can retire to the jury room and decide whether it's true or untrue. Here's the evidence. <clears throat> John says, I'm going to give you names. I'm going to give you places. <clears throat> so if you want to check me on the evidence, you can do that. Uh, we're we're going to have, these are going to be live hearings. John says, with live witnesses and documents. And you can then check. And if I'm wrong, John says, then I'm wrong. But I think <clears throat> that I am correct in what I am uh, uh, positing to you that Jesus is God. This particular story today, you are somewhat familiar with it uh, because it is Jesus, what, what we often refer to as Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's the overall subject, but there's a lot in that beforehand, uh, before he gets to that point, that you ought to, we ought to consider. Uh, this Lazarus story is only in John's gospel. Why is that? Because John is presenting Jesus as God. He's not that concerned with other issues. And every miracle that John records, and there aren't as many in John as there are in others, uh, with the exception <clears throat> of the feeding of the 5,000, um, John really deals with it uniquely. Now, let me go do something by way of background because I also need to, as we go through today, um, I'm going to put on my defense attorney hat, and I want to both defend the actions of Jesus in this story, and I want to defend the actions of Mary and Martha, who have come under some attack when people go through this story, because people act like uh, that there's one way to grieve, and they act like there's one way to respond to loss. Uh, and they act like there's one way for Jesus to act. And so people get into a little bit of a controversy about the people in this story. And uh, uh, we as preachers, uh, you know, myself and uh, Minister Warrensby, uh, when we preach this, sometimes we can throw in some stuff that's sort of our take uh, that has people walking away saying, okay, I didn't think about that. And so Jesus, Mary, and Martha can somewhat get a little bit nicked in the process. So I want to defend them. If that's okay, I want to defend the actions of 
the, the, the four main characters, Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, because there's an aspect of this about Lazarus that uh, is interesting too. Uh, so the first thing I want you to understand is that uh, this lesson takes place on the heels of quite a bit of controversy. Jesus, in the earlier chapters now, he goes up to the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem, which is a big feast. Um, the Jews were celebrating it, and it's, it's now celebrated in December, and it's now what, what uh, the Jews refer to as Hanukkah. You all have heard, you know, when Hanukkah comes through, it's a, a national holiday for your Jewish uh, compatriots. They, won't, they don't come to work. They take the day off. So Jesus goes there. Jesus goes to Jerusalem because he was a devout Jew, and he has to go on festival days. So he's in Jerusalem, and he's teaching because they keep com coming to him, asking them, him questions. He also uh, is at this time where Jesus presides over the trial of the woman caught in adultery. Okay, We went through that about two or three months ago. And that, as you know, was a huge controversy among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus deals with that, and then Jesus begins to say to them who he was. They ask him, just tell us plainly, are you the Christ or not? Jesus said, well, I shouldn't really have to tell you. You've seen what I've done. You've seen the miracles, and if you, you claim you're a Bible scholar, that's what y'all said, so if you look at the, what the Bible says, not the Bible, but what the word of God says about how you can tell who the Messiah is, haven't I done all those things? And he, then he says, I and my father are one. At this point, the Pharisees and the Sadducees say, well, we got to kill him because he's blaspheming and the penalty for blasphemy is death. He's equating himself with God. Because of that, we got to get rid of this fellow. And because of that, Jesus leaves Jerusalem and goes to a little place called uh, Bethabara, which is out where John first baptized. Uh, I want you to see this because it's going to be important later as I put my defense on for Jesus. Okay, so go to John chapter 10, um, verse 39. Therefore, they, the, the Pharisees and, and Jews, sought again to take him. They were going to arrest him by force, but he escaped out of their hand. Now, I don't know what kind of Jedi mind trick or Houdini stuff Jesus did, but these people were all there very surrounded. There's no quick way of escaping. Now, he can't jump on a bus or a plane. he got to walk, so somehow Jesus manages to escape. So you do know, you know, you can't just catch Jesus, uh, but these boys thought, thought they could. And, and, and John says, uh, but he escaped out of their hand, and he went away again. Now watch where he is, beyond Jordan, into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And what you know about where John first baptized, because you know the story of John, is that they would say John was where? Out in the wilderness, right? People had to go out to find John. So he's away from Jerusalem, near Jordan. That's where Jesus is when chapter 11 opens. That's very important. And you'll see why later. And many restored, resorted unto him and said, John did not, did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. And many believed on him there. He's, he's doing a unadvertised revival 
out in um, Bethabara, in the wilderness, in the desert. That's where Jesus is when his controversy opens. And then, but our, 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 our uh, teaching begins at, at verse 17, but the story doesn't begin there. So I got to go back just a little bit. Um, and I, hope, I, I, tr- I, tr- I promise I won't do too much introduction, but it's important because it's, otherwise it gets lost in the sauce. So then Jesus is at Bethbara preaching a revival that he didn't start. He's escaped from the Pharisees and Sadducees, but he can't really escape them because they follow him everywhere he goes, although they say he's not who he is. I am amazed, and probably some of you all too, how much time people who don't believe in Jesus spend on Jesus. I am amazed that when you get into a debate about what you believe, that these people are well-versed about the Bible and well-versed, about, but you don't believe in him. Why do you know so much? Uh, it's really, it's a, it's a conundrum. Um, uh, so, so here's what happens. So he's out there. That's where Jesus is. Now, you do know that while Jesus is attending to all your needs, he's got a lot of other needs. Y'all know that, right? That he... <laughs> You, as important as you are to him, and you are, that he has a whole world, a whole universe, universes to also run. So things are happening in real time, okay, as, as Jesus is here on earth. All right, so watch this. So then verse 1, now a certain man, if you watch how John shifts, John says, while Jesus is preaching, teaching, baptizing, oh, he didn't baptize, while Jesus is doing all that, now, while that's going on, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Okay? Y'all should watch the cowboy pictures. They, they split screen. While that's going on, now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. Then John tells you, it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair. That's the alabaster box Mary. Right? Therefore, watch this now. Therefore, you have to know what that's therefore. His sisters sent unto him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus is on assignment. He's doing the work of the Father. He doesn't get a vacation. He doesn't get to go somewhere and relax. He's always doing the work of the Father. And Mary and Martha say, I think there's something you might want to know. I'm going to send somebody out to tell you that this man, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he is dead or dying. They just said he's sick. Contrast that with our earlier teaching regarding the nobleman's son and Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain, all those folks. And Jesus was always told this is a point of exigent, exigency. This is exigent, exigent circumstance. The people are about to die. So I want you to do something. That's not what they ask. Notice what they ask him. They tell him that he is sick, but they don't call for Jesus. Now, when we preach this, we act like the fact that he knew Lazarus was sick, he was supposed to stop what he was doing and go. That's not their request. Do you see that? They don't say that. They don't say, come quickly. They simply say, according to John, we want you to know <clears throat> he's sick. And I, I'm, I'm sure, because like a lot of us, because he ate at their house, he stayed there, 
he lived there, they felt like they had some special dispensation due. Because I come to church every Sunday. And I pay all my tithes. And I give a liberal offer. I'm an usher. I'm in the choir. I sing with choir number one and I sing with choir number two. I teach the little bad children. I, I mop up the kitchen. I mop up the floor. When I go in the restroom in the church, I make sure it's, the sink is wiped down. I put my, my trash in the trash can. I never make a mess. I say hallelujah when they tell me to. I stand up when I'm supposed to. I sit down when I'm supposed to. Uh, I, I'm always here. I don't do anything. I've never said a cross word about the bishop. I've never said a cross word about anybody in the church. So when I call on you, Jesus, you best know I'm expecting you to do what I want you to do. It's important. This is going to mess you up later, but it's real important to get that concept. And don't sit here with that tone of face and tell me you don't feel like that. That he owes you to move on your command. We can play these games and act like we don't get disappointed when God doesn't move like we want him to, but we do. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, don't, don't trip and pretend, what? Oh, me? oh, whatever the law wants to do. Come on now. <laughs> so they sent, for, they sent and told him, so told him that they don't go themselves. Remember, the nobleman traveled 20 miles himself to see Jesus. The centurion, who's got a lot of people in his charge, went himself and asked for Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood goes herself. Crawls on the ground and touches Jesus. <clears throat> but those of us who are Baptists and Methodists and Church of God in Christ, and I almost said Catholic, um, uh, we feel like, I didn't say Catholic because they're intermarried, not Jesus. We feel like he ought to move when we say move, just like that. All right? So watch what they do now. So they've done all this stuff. They've ministered to him personally, ointment and all that. Uh, and verse 5 says, I mean, verse 4 says, when Jesus heard that he, when Jesus heard that, he said, he heard he was sick, this sickness is not under death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. What I'm doing in my sovereignty as God doesn't have anything to do with my lack of love for you. Because I'm not moving like a chess piece when you move me or want me to move doesn't mean I don't love you. You just don't get to tell me what to do. We're not in an employee-employer relationship. We're not. I'm God. The old folks say he can do whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants to do. That's not mean. That's not ugly. That's not that he doesn't care. It's just that he's God and tell your neighbor and you're not. So keep that in mind. He loves you. Do you love him enough to let him be God? Because he loves you enough to let you be you. He could take out punishment on you whenever you fall short. He doesn't. He loves you enough to let you be you in your sin. In your controversies, in your slackness, he lets you be you. He doesn't, he doesn't exact the price, does he? You know he doesn't. He didn't this week. He, you came up short. I did. 
He didn't kill me. He didn't take me out. He let me be me. Can I let him be him? Because he doesn't get mad at me for being me, but I get upset with him for being God. Let's, let's, y'all stay with me. Don't shout me down. And so this goes on. At some point during this, and I'm trying to get to the script of a thing because it's going to take us a minute there, but I, you got to understand this background. Uh, at some point, without anybody else coming back to Jesus, the person comes and says he's sick. They leave. At some point, Jesus says to them, he's dead. You know how he knows. He's God. He doesn't need a messenger. He's God. He also knows the end from the beginning. He already knew what he was going to do with Lazarus. And he says, he's dead. This sickness is not in death. He said, this sickness is for the glory of God. Somehow God's going to get glory out of this. The disciples are confused. They don't know what to think. Thomas says, oh, if he's dead, that means somebody's these Pharisees killed. Let's go die too. Jesus said, boy, nobody's talking about that. Quit being impetuous. Move when I move. Just hold tight. Jesus says, he's dead. But it's, but it's going to be for the glory of God. And you're thinking to yourself, and they're thinking to themselves, how can death be for God's glory? I don't know about any of you, but if you lost people close to you like I have, that, used to, that bothers me. How can death be for the glory of God? Because it hurts me. I don't know how death can be for God's glory because it hurts me in my core. I'm not ready for it, no matter when it happens, no matter how long somebody's been sick, no matter what the doctor says, I'm not ready when it happens. How can that be for the glory of God? Jesus said, just watch. All right? A lot of other things happen. Uh, and, and he tells them, I'm glad I wasn't there. And you, and you need to focus on that, because that's important. That he says to them, um, I'm glad, verse 15, for your sakes, that I was not there when he died, to the extent you may believe Nevertheless, let us go. So he says, and, you, and this is going to come back up. I'm glad I wasn't there when he died. You say, why? Okay, I'm going to tell you. All right, so then let's pick up at verse 17, and then let's rush through these last uh, these verses that we have. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now you say, four days, that doesn't make any sense. Just stay with me. Remember, after Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick, you know in the, in the other verses that he waited two days before he went to Bethany. So if the person got to Jesus on one day, he waited two days. When he got to Bethany, that's how you get to four. You with me? Four days. Person come. Takes a day to travel 20 miles. All right? That's one day. Jesus waited on purpose two more days. In Jewish custom, because of the nature of the environment in Palestine, people deteriorate rapidly when they die so they most Jews would bury them traditionally on the day of death they didn't wait like y'all do for two weeks while the people come in on the bus from Arizona no they put them in the crowd you got to wait for your cousin to borrow the money and get here on the train no ma'am no ma'am we're doing it he died today we're having to fill at four o'clock sorry <laughs> those who are not here we'll see the pictures because they used to do that too take pictures of people in the casket and freak me out anyway uh, so He's buried the day he dies, just like Jesus. This is, not, this is not particular to Lazarus. You know from the story of the cross, they had to take Jesus down, what? Before sundown. Why? Traditional. They, he had to be in the tomb. That's day one. That's why I, I, we, how did he get to be three? Stop doing that. You know it was day one. You know at six o'clock, 
was day two, you know it. The next, next day at six is day three. That's Sunday morning. Come on, stop acting like you don't know. You can't count. Four, person comes on day one, Jesus waits two days, then takes him a day to get to where he is. Four. Now watch. Now Bethany was now into Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off. This is where I got to defend Jesus because y'all said he's only two miles away. Why did he wait two days? He's 20 miles away in Beth Bethara. He's not in Jerusalem. He can't be in Jerusalem. They ran him out or he left. We read that. So we've been, we've been, folks been fussing at Jesus and mad about trying. It's only two miles. Why'd he wait? If it was only two miles, somebody could have gotten there within an hour and said, he's, he's, he's dying or he's dead. No, he's 20 miles away. Bethany is only two furlongs from Jerusalem. The reason that's in there by John is so you would know how many people from Jerusalem got to the funeral and got to the celebration because in Jewish custom, mourning lasted a week. Bury on day one, Elder Love, but the mourning period was a week long. All right? That's where y'all got that from. A week or more. All right? Now, that's why he tell how do, how do I know, why you know where, where the, that, is, that, that this is about Bethany, where, where, where they were, not about Jesus, because it tells you in verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Why were the Jews there? Why so many people? They were in Jerusalem for the festival. Jesus is gone. Lazarus dies on day one that they think he's just sick. Apparently, whatever Lazarus had, he wasn't just sick, it was quick. The same day he got sick, he died. Yeah, that's happened to some of my family members, George, too, where there's no long illness. It's just like that. People are already in Jerusalem for the festival. They don't normally come and stay like we should do down in the country when you go for they have revival all week. So you stay with somebody the whole week. All right. So they were there. They weren't going back home immediately. It wasn't, wasn't like that. They didn't have Martin. They all showed up at the funeral. Why? Because they know that these people are special. They're friends of Jesus. They all show up. And the Bible says they came there to comfort them concerning their brother. That's why they went. Because it's a big thing in Jewish custom if you come to the funeral. It's a big thing in our custom. If you fool around and don't show up at somebody's mama's funeral and they consider you a friend, you're going to get blocked. Your, your text message is not going to get answered. And your Facebook, you're going to get off, they're going to get you, they're going to unfriend you. Is that the right term? Okay, I don't do Facebook, so. Okay, you're going to be unfriended. Because I told you my mama died and you didn't show up at the funeral. And I know you, I know you wasn't working that day because we had it on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And you still didn't come. So don't text me, don't call me because we ain't friends no more because you missed my mama funeral. Now, that's it. <laughs> so people show up, Mary, my, I'm here. I got casserole in the car, I got sweet potato pie. I bought y'all something, plenty of food. I'm here to mourn with you. Now watch. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as, as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. At this point of the narrative, we drop down to verse 20. At this point, as soon as Martha heard Jesus was coming, she left the house to go meet him. Now, that's an unusual thing for a woman to do in those times. Uh, uh, just met over the weekend for the first time my nephew's new wife, who's Muslim. 
And when he introduced her, he said, don't hug her. What? We hug in my, I can't hug her because I'm not married to her. Well, I ain't trying to marry her. I just want to hug and say, hey. Okay, y'all got some weird traditions to me. Anyway, I didn't hug her, but I ain't like it. So um, uh, here's what happened. But, 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 so, so Martha goes uh, to, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Now watch this. We preachers, uh, Elder Warrensbys, plural, and me, when we preach this, we try to contrast Martha went, Mary sat. And we make it look like Mary did something wrong. She didn't. In Jewish tradition, the way mourning worked was the family mourning didn't leave the premises. They stayed at home. They sat in the house. She's not being disrespectful. Sometimes when we preach this, we say she's angry with Jesus so she doesn't go out. That's not what it, what it says. I don't even know that she knew he was coming because it doesn't say that. It says as soon as Martha heard. So I'm, again, I'm here to defend Mary and Martha. Martha heard, so Martha went to see Jesus. Mary doesn't know, so she's still mourning because somebody has got to fix these plates for all these people showing up. Because y'all want to get the foil and put it on the stuff and take it with you and all that. She's got to do all that and get the ham and chicken. Oh, God. Get the chicken and all that cut up. So she's got to entertain because y'all all in her house, right, for a week. All right? So don't get mad at Mary. She's not being disrespectful. Now watch this. Uh, then, verse 21, said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, notice how Lord is spelled. And we know that means what? Jesus, the preexistent one, she's calling him God. What, what's John's purpose? Show you God in Jesus, right? So she calls him God by addressing him as Lord. And watch, watch why she does that. She says, God, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now look at the weight she puts on Jesus. Look at the weight we put on Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, it's a good thing I wasn't there when he died. Had I been there when he died, nobody would have understood how I let my friend die. I'm raising everybody else up, but I let Lazarus die. He says, good thing I wasn't there because it's going to be another thing of my indictment that I let my friend die. What did the folks say to Jesus at the, at the cross? You saved others, save yourself. The devil doesn't have any new cards, y'all. He's playing the same cards. He's been reneging. He keeps playing the same cards. He wants to make it a controversy. So Jesus said, it's good I wasn't there, Right? Because had I been there and he died, now you got something else to talk about. So, so, so Martha says, I understand that. I washed your feet with my hair. I understand who you are. I mean, Mary, her sister, I understand that. He, she says, uh, if you've been here, he wouldn't have died. I know that. Because <clears throat> there is no way, <clears throat> because you love us, that if you'd been here, you'd have let him die. I believe that. That right there, y'all, is a great declaration of faith. I know that because I know you. Now watch this. Verse 22. But I know, Martha said, but I'm not crying. I'm not complaining. I'm not challenging you. She said, because here's the thing. I know it's never too late. Somebody been preaching for a long time right here. It ain't over. Martha says, I know that even now, whatever you ask God, <clears throat> he'll give it to you. Come on, Martha, I like you, girl. She said, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. 
I'm sad my brother's dead. I really am. I'm glad you weren't here so these people wouldn't be able to poke fun at you or us. She said, but I know if you want to, you can fix this. Fix it, Jesus, like you said you would. Now watch this. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Now, it's like a deaf person trying to communicate with a blind person. All right? They're talking on two different planes. This is a Nicodemus Jesus moment with Martha and Jesus. Because watch how the shift is. Martha then, because she's hearing but not listening. Martha says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection. At the last day. Jesus said, girl, uh, I'm not talking about that. They, they, they are talking, they're talking past one another. Martha's in grief. She's already resigned in her mind. My brother's gone. You weren't here. I'm glad, I'm glad you came. You're not late. Because sometimes when we preach this, Warrensbys and loves, we say he, was, he got to the funeral late. The funeral's over. Morning's a week. He's in plenty of time. Jesus doesn't show up on your schedule. Ask the people at, at the wedding of Canaan. He gets there on day three. It's a seven-day affair. I ain't staying down there all week with y'all. Y'all doing too much. I get there on day three because y'all been there all week. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25. Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now watch this because when we preach this and explain this sometimes, we act like Jesus is talking to the living. Jesus says, it's not that the, 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 the folk who are living want to believe, but for you to get up at the resurrection, the dead person got to believe. So you read right past that, didn't you? You think he's talking to her, saying if she believes. No, if Lazarus believed, I'm telling y'all, everybody ain't going to heaven. I know we preach Pookie and Ray Ray and Bam Bam, who crazy as the devil when they have a funeral. We preach them into heaven. and know they're looking down on us. No, they're not. You got to believe. Pookie, you got to believe. Bam, bam, Ray, Ray. Because <laughs> if you don't, you are not looking down on nothing. You're looking up. So Jesus says, she says, Martha, the issue isn't your belief. Martha, the issue is Lazarus' belief. He says, I am the written life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead. The dead person's got to believe before they get up and go to glory. Not you. You can't pray them into heaven. It's not your faith that saves me. It's not my faith that saves you. You have to believe. So Jesus, so Jesus tells you something about Lazarus because here's all we know about Lazarus' resume. He lived. He had two sisters. He got sick. He died. That's his whole resume. We know he got up. Lived, had two sisters. Don't know if he had a wife, who the wife was. Don't know what he did for a living. He had a house. Don't know who his mama, dad, and no, we don't know him. But we all we know about his resume. He lived, had two sisters, got sick, dies, and got up. But one thing, Jesus tells you something else you didn't know about Lazarus. He was a believer. Just because I have dinner with you doesn't mean I, you believe in me. Just because you join the church don't believe you believe. He said, Lazarus wasn't just my friend. He believed in me. 
That's why he's going to get up. Woo, y'all know there's some good teaching in here. Now watch. And whosoever liveth, now he said, I'm going to flip back to you. And believe it on me, you won't die. Do you believe this mother? Now, Jesus is throwing a lot at us, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you got the mother. Hold on, Jesus. You got a lot. You got a lot. I'm grieving. I'm thinking, my bro, I'm thinking this is it. And he's trying to get her to come, come back. Remember who you're talking to. I'm God. He says to Martha, he says, uh, if you live and you are in life and you believe, you won't die. How is that possible? Jesus is not talking about Nicodemus. He's not talking about physical, natural death. He's talking about you will never be separated from God's presence. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You never die, you transition. That's why we call it, people transition. Not everybody, but that's what we call it. But you go in, you go in one place or another, you got, you got to pick a sign, smoking or non-smoking. But you go into one place, right? It's one or the other. So watch this now. He says, uh, uh, you believe this? Now, can you imagine? Because I think my, my um, uh, I think my tongue got caught in my throat. Jesus has to ask you, you believe this? That's heavy. Now, you're not talking to the preacher. You're not talking to the bishop. Pastor Robert, he asked her, Martha, you believe this? Now, you, you, you got to answer Jesus. He's not asking you to, to sign the church role. Do you believe that you will never die? It's a tough question. Now, watch this. Verse 27. And this is what makes Martha a hero. She says unto him, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. Period. I'm not asking you to raise my brother. I'm not asking you to wipe away my tears. I'm not asking you to make everything right. I'm telling you that whatever you do, you can do because you're God. This is what John's trying to get to in Martha. Martha, I'm not God because I answer your prayer. I'm God because I'm God. I'm not God because I, you get Skittles and Sprite and whatever you want from me. I'm God because I'm God. Quit limiting me to being God when I answer your, I almost said little problem, that's how we talk. Uh, I got, see you got your new little car like it's not important. It's not your little problem. He said, but I'm God all the time. When I'm answering your question the way you want me to, I'm God. When I don't, I'm God. When you do what all of us have done and prayed for our loved one to live and they don't, he's still God. You and I both aren't crazy. What would the world be like if nobody ever died? We wouldn't have room to move. You, it's a part, it's, it, come on, you saw the Lion King. It's the circle of life. But you aren't dead. You are transitioning to be with him. Watch this now. And, 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 and I, I hate that the uh, writer skipped 27 down to 38. Please, when you get home today, uh, read the whole, verse, whole chapter 11, all 57 verses, because it, it's just a marvelous unfolding. Uh, it'll bless you. But he, they jumped down to 38. Between that, um, uh, uh, you see something. Um, first, in verse 20, I want to just 
point this out and then I'm going to move quickly. Uh, verse 28 says, And when she had so said, she went and called Mary, her sister, secretly, underscore that, saying, The master has come and called us for thee. Now here's, here's why that's important. Because she doesn't show up and show out and show off in front of the friends. We friends of Jesus. He came to see us. I've been talking to him. He and I have been having a conversation. He's my special friend. Loud all in the house from the front door. Mary, our friend Jesus came to see about us. So I want you to come. No, you all, you don't have to do that. You don't have to blast and broadcast that you and Jesus have a special relationship. You don't have to lord that over people. She said, hey, Mary, let me tell you something. In your, what's something in your ear? Jesus is here. He wants to talk to you. Come outside. Every folk in the house don't know he's there. There's no way in the world they stay in the house they know Jesus. Because you know, poor Mary would have been left in the house by herself. Hey, sister, I got to holler at you. Jesus outside. She told her, y'all, you, you be quiet sometimes with your faith. Be quiet as you share your faith. Don't always tell people, I got a superior relationship with Jesus. He came to see about me. No, he's God. Now watch this now. We only got three minutes. Y'all held me up all morning. He said, the verse, uh, we skip down to where they, where they want us to go, which is verse 38. Uh, we also, we skip the Jesus wept part, which I don't like. But verse 38, um, uh, he says, um, and Jesus therefore, groaning in himself, coming to the grave. Now he's not groaning because he's sad because he's in control. He's groaning because sin causes death. That bothers him. It, it, Jesus is never, satisfied, never happy about that. I want y'all to understand, God is not happy about the fact that sin causes death. Sin causes death. But God doesn't like it because he, he feels for you when you hurt. So he said, so he's groaning saying, I hate to have to do this. All of us are tired of going to funerals. And on that great getting up morning, we'll never have to go to another one. Thank God. Because Jesus, same way, he felt this in his spirit. He says, take, take ye away the stone. Now, I want you to know this ye, verse 39. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Now, what Martha is saying here is she understands the depth of Jesus' grief. And she thinks he's so grief-stricken that he's forgotten what's going on practically. She says, Lord, you, you don't want to do that. We know you love him. We, we know you care about him. Don't, don't do that. Because it, it's going to be a problem. He's not like you think he is. Because they think he's dead. Right? In their minds, he's dead and gone on. But Jesus is saying, I got this. So just, let's just watch this. Um, and the other thing is, the reason he told him to take away the stone is because, and this will, you make, make this note for yourself, can you still obey Jesus' command after he's disappointed you? Y'all didn't say nothing. Can you still obey him after he's disappointed you? Yes. yes. Now watch. He said to her, I said not to thee that if you, thou would, didn't I tell you? Don't worry about present circumstances and physical conditions. I told you you'd see the glory of God. I did tell you that, didn't I, Martha? I did. Then they took away the stone, verse 41, from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always, verse 42, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they believe that thou sent me. And when he had thus spoken, 
Verse 43, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I know that in Aretha Franklin's song, Oh Mary, Don't You Reap, she said he called Lazarus three times. It's a great song, but Aretha's wrong. He didn't call him three times. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And what he really says in the Greek, that's duro, D-E-U-R-O. It means Lazarus, come here. Look at the loving nature. He says, Lazarus, come here. Now, you know Lazarus then gets reanimated. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, face was bound with a cloth. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. <laughs> and that's where John ends. Now, here's the great thing about John. We're already one minute over. John doesn't gloat. He doesn't then give you a dictation of what Mary said to Martha. Martha said to Mary, the Jews said to each other, other than the fact they thought we got to really kill him now. And they said, and we got to kill Lazarus. But John doesn't gloat. When the Lord blesses you, when the Lord meets you at the point of your need, you don't have to gloat and brag. You don't have to do that. I told you so a, a lap around the block. Thank you, Lord. You don't even see a record where Mary and Martha said, Woo, cause you, now you know what they did. You know how they carried on. You know they shouted up the place. You know they tore that place up. That little graveyard. I know the, the, the grave people came in and said, y'all got to take this back to the house. Y'all going to tear the grave places up. When God blesses us, we get to celebrate, but you don't have to broadcast it unless you want to. But I just want to tell you this. He's God all the time. No matter what goes on in your life, he's God all the time. And know this. He loves you enough to let you be you. You love him enough to let him be God. I'll see you next week.